everybody tuned in from home. And uh, praise God. Book of Psalms 77 and 11. And everyone say amen. It says, I will remember the works of the Lord. I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. I will remember. Everyone say remember. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. And I want to preach to you tonight on this subject. I will remember. I will remember. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful and it is anointed. I'm asking you today to touch me in a very special way and enable me to speak to your people. They're a wonderful people. They have your name invoked on them. And Lord, I'm asking you, God, that with full assurance and confidence, I'd be able to minister effectively to those here and those at home. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Let's go, Lord, a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. And you may be seated. Praise God. Many, many of us are familiar with uh, the name Simon Wiesenthal. If you've never heard of Simon Wiesenthal, Simon Wiesenthal spent nearly five years of his life in the concentration camps of Nazi Germany. While imprisoned, Wiesenthal suffered the loss of both his beloved wife and cherished family members. By the time Wiesenthal was released from the concentration camps, he was almost entirely alone in this world. Many of the Jews, after being released from the concentration camps, spent several months in a second set of camps where they awaited deportation to the countries and cities where they had been taken out of. Wiesenthal was no exception. One day, while walking around one of these camps, Wiesenthal stumbled across a conversation that would forever change his life. That morning, Wiesenthal had decided that he would file a complaint with the U.S. military who oversaw the camp regarding a particular Polish officer that had been mistreating him and other uh, survivors. It just so happened that Wiesenthal walked into a meeting in which U.S. officials were interrogating several high-ranking Nazi soldiers. Wiesenthal at the time weighed a mere 99 pounds and looked near death. Nevertheless, Wiesenthal felt prompted to look strong, speak up, and ask the U.S. soldier a rather peculiar question. He cleared his throat, knocked on the door, and asked if he could be of any help. The official, who probably felt sorry for the 99-pound half-starved Wiesenthal, entertained his question and asked him how he thought he might be useful in their interrogation of these Nazi officials. What Wiesenthal did next is amazing. With nothing more than a simple typewriter and a memory that refused to forget, Wiesenthal returned to his room and compiled a list of thousands of names of Nazi war criminals and their Jewish victims. After this encounter, Wiesenthal returned home, but he refused to go back to living an ordinary life. In fact, he spent the remainder of his life chasing down Nazi war criminals from one end of the world to the other.
When Weisenthal died at the good old age of 96, he had earned the nickname Nazi Hunter. Weisenthal, along with those who joined his cause, brought over 1,000 Nazi war criminals to justice. Weisenthal refused to surrender to human forgetfulness. He knew that people, given enough time, will forget anything, even atrocities. Weisenthal's life teaches us that a memory is a weapon against life's most painful events. If we can all remember the valuable lessons of our past, we will stay in this fight called life. With little or nothing more than a memory, we can defy all the circumstances that rise up to destroy us. Amen. It's time for us to pull from the past, to keep before our eyes, amen, all the valuable things that God has shown us. It's time for us to declare with the psalmist, I will remember the works of the Lord. I will remember his wonders of old. A memory is a powerful thing. I don't think we give it enough credit. I don't think we realize how many treasures, how many precious gems, how many valuable weapons rest inside of all of our memories. In fact, most of our failures in life, most of our undoings, most of our shortcomings all result from forgetting what God has already shown us. I want to preach to you today on the power of your memory. Let's start with the book of Job. From the very onset, the book of Job demands genuine humility. Six verses into the book and there's a meeting between divine beings who are discussing what the future of Job's life will be. And not just just his but the future of his family his possessions and his welfare everything is on trial what's uncomfortable about the first few verses of the book of Job is that Job is oblivious to the meeting that's going on about him at the very end of the book God asked Job to remember who created several wild animals Job had been through all kinds of trials and had many questions and Joe and God begins to ask Job you you tell me, Job, who created all these wild animals? He talks about goats that run freely in the mountains. He talks about beasts that run wild in the field. He talks about birds that fly wildly through the air. And what's interesting is that all the animals that God named were animals that could not be domesticated. They were not the type of animal that anybody could have as a pet. They were not the kind of animal that anybody could have as a mascot. They were not the kind of animal that anybody could teach how to jump or how to catch a treat praise God how to do what the master asked these were animals that as far as everyone is concerned only God could control essentially what God is saying to Job there are things in this life which are beyond your control but remember they are not beyond my control praise God amen hallelujah I want to start off this morning by telling you no matter how much your life may be spinning out of control in one area or another it's not spinning out of God's control. You may feel like your head is in a whirlwind. Amen. But let me tell you something. God's head is not in a whirlwind. Hallelujah. And I think it would do everybody some good to remember this morning. All the other times your head was in a whirlwind and God brought you out. Praise God. I think it would do a lot of us a lot of good to remember all the times we had no idea what we were going to do. We had no idea where we were going to go. We had no idea how we were going to pay this bill or that bill. We had no 
idea how we were going to clothe and feed the family. And yet God did a miracle. Hallelujah. I want you to know it may be out of your control, but it ain't out of God's control. It may seem undomesticated, but it's not undomesticated. You serve a God that if you'll just remember, can domesticate everything, can has everything under his control. Somebody say praise God. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. And so today we're going to preach a little bit about using your memory. Hallelujah. Early on in his life, David understood that remembering was a critical component to overcoming. Many of you have heard, if not read, if not preached from yourselves, the story of David and Goliath. But let us remember that when David fought Goliath, what David really leaned upon was his memory. When it came time to fight Goliath, David said, I think I can do this. I think I can fight him. And he based it on something he remembered. He remembered that when he was nothing but a child, amen, he was taking care of sheep. And the sheep that he was taking care of, amen, were encroached upon by a lion. And then once again by a bear. And David defeated the lion and the bear. Praise God. And David said, if I did that, if God and if, if God and empowered me then what's to stop God from empowering me now hallelujah and let me just say this this is not part of my message amen but David's uh, motive for fighting lions bears and giants was to protect God's property praise God amen he wasn't worried about protecting himself as far as David was concerned the sheep in the field were God's and the Israelites were God's and neither one of them deserved to be harassed by these ferocious beasts and this ferocious man praise God when 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 serving God's people is at the heart of what you do I'm telling you God's gonna do some mighty things through you praise God a lot of people wonder why they fail at so many of life's trials and battles it's because amen serving the kingdom is not at the heart of everything they're doing they have other motives they have other agendas amen hallelujah and you can even have other motives and agendas while in church praise God even even as a pastor and as a preacher, I make sure that everything I'm preaching, every program we implement, every prayer meeting I have, amen, you as the people of God are at the heart of it. Amen. I'm not here for me. I'm not here. We're not here for my wife. We're not here for our children. Praise God. We are here to serve the kingdom. We are here to serve God's people. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I, I feel so confident, amen, that you're the same. When you sing, sing, amen, to edify God's people. When you preach, preach to edify God's people when you teach a Sunday school class amen do it to edify God's people praise God whatever it is that you do in the kingdom amen let God's people amen and their welfare and their benefit and their edification be at the heart of it amen hallelujah when it came time to fight Goliath David remembered David remembered that God's got this but that wasn't the end David defeated Goliath, stood up to a giant, only to end up running from another one. There was a man who the Bible says was head and shoulders above all of Israel. His name was Saul. He was the king of Israel. And after David defeated Goliath, he became David's father-in-law. And through a set of circumstances and wild twists and turns, Saul began to hate and loathe David. 
And one day while David was running in fear of his father-in-law Saul, he remembered something. He remembered a sword that was behind the ephod, behind the ceremonial priestly garments down at the temple. And David walked down to the temple. And he walked up to the priest and he had one question. Is the sword still here? I remember a sword that I dropped off the day I beat Goliath. I remember a sword that was bigger than I was back then. And I left it here as a memorial to God. But now I need this sword to talk to me. I need it to be an oracle, if you will. Do you have the sword? And the priest said, it's right here. He took him into a back room, removed the ephod, and there was the sword. And so the question for us this morning is, what did David remember when he saw the sword? You know what he remembered? I don't need the sword to defeat giants. He didn't, he didn't think to himself, I finally got a weapon. You know what he thought? The Lord fights my battles. I didn't even need this when it came to defeating the giant. This thing was bigger than I was. I couldn't even carry this thing. Amen. When I beat that giant. David knew better than any of us. Amen. Hallelujah. That he defeated that giant on a rock in a prayer. Praise God. David knew better than anybody else. That when he declared. Amen. That he was coming against them in the name of the Lord. That that had way more power to it. Amen. Than any sword. And I just want to remind somebody today. Amen. There's a lot of battles you can win without ever lifting a finger. And I just feel like there's a few people, amen, listening to this word right now, that you have been in situations as of lately and probably right now, where your biggest temptation is to roll up your sleeves and go at it, and just duke it out, and go word for word, and go argument for argument, and go go tick for tack, and you know what God wants you to do? He wants you to look at the sword and say, I don't need this to win. God will level things out. God will make things right. God will, come on somebody, hallelujah. Oh, let's praise him right now. Let's praise him right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In fact, let's lift our hands and pray. I really believe God is talking to somebody right now. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I, and I know that most of us are beyond fist fighting. I hope, I, hope, I hope you are. But I'll tell you what all of us struggle with. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. You know, you need to let the sword remind you. I don't, this is not how we win our battles. This is actually not how we get ahead. This is not actually how we prove other people right and us, other people wrong and us right. Hallelujah. You know, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what else that sword reminded David of, of how petty and how little Saul was. Saul might have been tall, but he was small. He was petty. Furthermore, he was crazy. Because that sword, that sword evoked all kinds of memories. It reminded, it reminded David that there was a day he used to play to get rid of the demons in Saul's life. Because no, everybody didn't know that Saul had demons. David knew that Saul had demons. 
And, and God said, David, there's a lot of things you have forgotten about this man you're running from. He's tall, but he's petty. He's ferocious, but he's crazy. He acts all bold in public, but he's a coward. You know, we always, we always talk about how, how Saul gave David his armor, but we never question the fact that the tall guy, the guy that was probably the nearest in height to Goliath, actually was willing to let the kid go out and get his head smashed in. That's a coward. That's a coward. And as David sat there and looked at that sword, he, he was reminded, this guy's cowardly, he's crazy, and he's crooked. And he's, and he's, and he's, he's tormented. And I believe that all of those facts, they, they didn't fuel David to go attack Saul. They fueled David to say, you know what? I'll let nature take care of itself. You are, you are heading on a one-way road towards destruction. Because nobody who behaves the way that you do, nobody with the private battles that you have, nobody with the devils that you're fighting makes it. I know enough to know that. And, 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 and I actually pity you. I actually feel bad for you. I actually, I, I, I actually hope all this ends soon. Because you, my friend, are heading in the wrong direction. And I'm not going to be the one to remove you. I'll let God do the removing. I'll, I'll let God heal his own kingdom. I'll let God take care of all of this praise God because we don't win with swords we don't win with words we don't win with arguments we don't win with get backs revenge praise God we don't we don't win with 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 all these mechanisms praise God we win by putting our trust in God and sometimes we have to trust for long periods of time and sometimes Saul stays on the throne for many years but do not be mistaken my friend you 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 bet your bottom dollar Amen. God will have his way when it's all said and done. God will have his way when it's all said and done. Hallelujah. And so let me remind you to remind yourself, praise God, that God always wins in the end. And it's really not about us. Praise God. And it's really, the, people, people might be directing their anger at us, but many times it's actually not us they're angry at. They're angry at themselves. And in some cases, I hate to say this because I'm careful with these kinds of words. In some cases, people are just crazy. They're just crazy. And in some cases, we have no idea the private devils they're entertaining. And what they actually hate about you is not you. It's the gospel in you. It's Christ in you. It's the, it's the sensitive heart in you. It's, it's the love of God in you. Oh, let's praise the Lord right now. Jesus, we love you. Come on, we're talking about, I will remember, hallelujah. There's some valuable lessons here that many of us here already know. But God sent me here to remind you to remember, hallelujah. Jesus, I praise you. Somebody say praise God. Let me take you to the book of Luke, the 17th chapter. We read about 10 lepers who were healed by Jesus. They all walk away excited. <clears throat> about their second chance at life. Every single one of them that fell at the feet of Jesus got a healing. And Jesus says, now go show yourselves to the priest. And they all start walking away. And you know, interestingly enough, a lot of theologians 
ponder exactly how far it was that they walked away. Why, I don't know. But a lot of theologians believe they were actually walking for some time. Because wherever they were was not, was not you know, it's not like they had like pre-stops, right? It wasn't like there was like little, you know, here we have like quick stop and 7-Eleven. It wasn't like they had little mini tabernacles everywhere you could just stop at really quick to do your religious duties. You, you had to go down to the temple to show yourself to the priest. And so at some point, they're all walking, 10 of them, a little minion. And one of them stops and the other nine keep going. And one of them decides, I'm going back to the priest. <laughs> They're heading to the priest at the temple. But I realized I was just healed by the high priest. Hallelujah. I realized that the guy who healed me is the priest. And so I'm going to go show myself to the priest. And he comes back to Jesus. Hands clapping. Voice raised. Tears and eyes. And he begins to praise Jesus. Why did he come back to praise Jesus? Because he remembered that being leprous was only half of the problem. If you read your Bible, you will see that when you got leprosy, amen, not only was it something that infiltrated your body, it infiltrated every aspect of your life. Once you became leprous, you can no longer be a part of society. Once you were no longer a part of society, you were mentally affected. You were emotionally affected. And you were spiritually affected. Once you became leprous, you can't go to synagogue. Once you become leprous, amen, there's not a lot to be happy about. Once you become leprous, amen, there's, it's hard to keep your mind straight. Praise God. Once you become leprous, nobody in society Society wants everything, anything to do with you. Amen. Hallelujah. And yet this leprous individual realized, you know what? Jesus did a whole lot than just a whole lot more than just heal my nerves. He just gave me my life back. I now I can go to church again. Praise God. I can I, I'm thinking clearly right now. Praise God. I'm feeling I'm feeling like God loves me again. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. I can go back into society. I can get a job. I can hold a job. I can save money. Everything is being improved by this moment in time. Hallelujah. And those of you that have read your Bibles, you know that leprosy in the Bible is a type of sin. And I just want to talk to you for a few seconds that you can avoid a whole lot of backsliding by keeping a clear remembrance of what sin really is in all its entirety. I think too often we all dabble with attitudes, with sin, if you will. Amen. With sinful attitudes, with sinful behaviors behaviors, with sinful friendships, with sim uh, sinful uh, whatever, praise God. We dabble with sin because we forget what its real effects were, praise God. We, 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 on one surface or on one level, we're like, yeah, it was bad. It hurt me. But we don't realize that it was doing a whole lot more than just hurting you. It was killing you. It was devastating you. It brought you low. It shattered your home. It shattered your children. It shattered your marriage. It shattered your health. It shattered your finances. Praise God. It tore, it tore things apart. It left nothing. Praise God. It was, it was not, not only was it bad, it was worse than you can imagine. We do good to remember that when Jesus saved us, he saved us from a whole lot. Let us keep moving.
Hebrews 11:24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The Bible says that Moses remembered who his mom was. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to be honest with you. This is actually not part of my, my, my notes here. But I'm going to throw this in for good measure. Uh, you got to be careful who tries to take parental roles in your life. There are people that get a real big sense of fulfillment out of telling you, you know, you're like a son to me. You're like a daughter to me. You know, the truth is, I have children now, and I just don't care how cute your kids are. I don't even care how much your kids come over my house. They're just never going to be like my kids to me. We could say that all we want to people, but we're being disingenuous. We, we, we really are. And... At some point, you, we all, we all, even if they are bad, because there are bad parents. We have been bad parents at times, if we were to be honest. But the truth of the matter is, good, bad, or ugly, at some point, we all just have to come to terms with who our parents are. Like, my mom is my mom. My dad is my dad. Even if I'm not proud of them, even if we, I've had several conflicts with them, even if situations have gone awry, those are my parents. My pastor's not my dad. The, the, the Sunday school teacher's not my child's uncle. Praise God. Uh, we're a family here, but not like that. And, and what we're not going to do is figure out fancy ways to not get along with our real family and then come here and call everybody family. We're family. But let's learn how to get along with the real family that God gave us. Because that family is what actually means the most to you. Some of us actually came to church because our families were shattered. But I'm crazy enough to believe that God healed you, saved you, restored you, took the leprosy off so you could go back home and fix up your home. That's the way he works. God, God, God pulled Moses out of Egypt, and, and Moses never forgot who his mama was. And Pharaoh's daughter would probably stroke his hair and pinch his cheeks and tell him, you're, you're my boy. And there was some in him that says, no, no, you know what? I appreciate the gesture, lady, but you're not my mom. Amen. You're, you're, you're much richer than my mom. You, you, you've paid for my education. You know, I... You know, people always say that, that Moses had a speech problem. The Bible actually says in the book of Acts that he was powerful in words. Amen. He was actually very well educated. Moses was extremely well educated. Moses understood architecture, hieroglyphics, writing. There's a reason God chose him to write the first five books of the Bible. Praise God. This man was extremely educated. Raised among pedigree. Primed and prepared to be a, 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 a leader of the then known world. Amen. But there was something in him that said, I'm sorry. I belong to that woman that lives in that hut on the other side of the tracks. Praise God. Who speaks that strange language. Who has those strange rituals that you all don't like. The Bible says that shepherds were an abomination to the Egyptians. Amen. Even when, even when Joseph brought all the Jews into Egypt. Amen. He, he let them know. Listen. Pharaoh don't like your kind. He thinks 
thinks y'all folks are dirty. He thinks you guys are always dabbling, amen, in all kinds of unrighteous stuff. Amen. And, and Moses said, I belong to that bunch. I, you're, you're not proud of that? Maybe I'm not boasting about that, but that's where I come from. You know, God help us. You know, we, you know, those of us that are married, everyone, if you're married, you got in-laws. And it's really easy to just complain about each other's in-laws. And all of a sudden, the in-laws turn outlaws. And, but you know, let's, let's, let's pick it up a little bit. And let's say, perhaps God has been so good to us so that we can help restore our broken families. You know, a lot of people may not understand why sometimes here at East Bay, we're not trying to gobble up all your time. Because I actually believe that we're supposed to be redeeming the time. I actually believe you have like work to do that doesn't take place here. I believe that you, you, you have relatives you still need to win. I believe that some of us got so on fire for God that we sent some relatives to help. And we got to go back and get them. And we got to go back and make things right. And we gotta, and we got we to gotta take that extra time to pray, to love, to reach out. You know, if I just wanted to be very simple about this, I just, I could just tell you, call your mother. Like remember to call your mom. You know, as, as powerful and as, as mighty as Moses was, we're talking about Moses, Torah writing, God, man on the mountain looking at God, remembered his mom. He's a guy that refused to let anybody take his mom's place. Here's a guy that refused to let anybody fill a position that God had designed. And the Bible actually says that he was exercising faith by remembering whose son he wasn't. Moses walked around Egypt's courts and he let them know, I'm not like you. I may want to be like you. And let, I'm going to tell you something. Moses struggled with not being an Egyptian. We think he just, you know, in fact, when he, when he went and saved Zipporah and her sisters from getting beat up at the well, the, the girls, the, Moses came through. He, I mean, Moses was smart. The dude could fight. He was beating people up. And the girls got all excited that they met this handsome guy that just beat everybody up. And they ran home and left him. And, and Jethro says, how'd you, how'd you get back so early? And they said, some, some strapping young guy saved us. He said, who? They said, an Egyptian man. You know how they assessed that? Because my man still had his Egyptian clothes on. He had already been running in the desert for months. But he would not take off the I Heart Egypt shirt. He wanted to be that. 
But there was something deeper in him that said, yeah, yes, I want to I have a great life. I want to look like I have it together. I, I want to hang the degree and the diploma on the wall. I want all that. I, I want to I I be praised for my accomplishments. I want all those things. But guess what? My background's actually kind of simple. And in some cases, it's actually not that pretty. And in some cases, it's actually rather ugly. I actually come from a family of slaves. I actually come from a background that's got a lot of stains, cuts, and patches. Amen. Hallelujah. But I am who I am. Praise God. And they're just, I don't know when it happened. Praise God. I don't know why it happened. I don't know where it happened. But there just came a day when the I Heart Egypt shirt, he just took it off. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and in fact, I, you know what? God took him all the way to Jethro's house. You know why? Because Jethro was a sheep herder. And he said, you know what, Moses? You're going to go You're gonna go get married. And I know how I'm going to get you to stay there. I'm going to give you a nice, good-looking wife. Praise God. And she's going to keep you anchored and tethered right there. And guess what you're going to get in touch with? Your shepherd roots. You've been running from your mama. You've been running from your dad and who they were. Praise God. But now you're going to go to Jethro's house and I'm going to teach you how to shepherd. Praise God. And I'm going to show you the simple ways because guess what? God's simple ways work on global levels. Praise God. Because learning how to raise sheep, praise God, was what he needed to know on how to lead a nation. Praise God. He needed to know how to feed some sheep before he could learn how to feed some people the Torah. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so the scripture says, by faith. Amen. Hallelujah. There came a day in his life where he remembered whose son he wasn't. Praise God. Hey, hallelujah. He remembered, I am not an Egyptian. Praise God. I got the shirt on, but it ain't in my heart. Praise God. I got the shoes on, but it's not in my spirit. Praise God. I got the gear on. Amen. I got the degree and the plaque on the wall. Praise God. But I'm really educated by God. I've really been educated by my mom. I've really been taught the ways of life. Praise God at my home, not here. Praise God. I'm thankful for what I have here. Amen. Hallelujah. But this is not where I come from and this is not how it's always been. Praise God. And I got a rather simple background and I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not going to hide it. Praise God. I'm not going to run from it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Come on. Your memory can save you. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. You know, I remember... I remember, Brother Nixon, I remember, and I, I, I don't, my mom's not watching, I remember, I remember, Brother Nixon, I remember, Sister Gloria, I remember being embarrassed about my mom because her English was bad. Oh, but had somebody, had somebody helped me to see, this is nothing to be ashamed about. This is a woman who brought two kids from another country, enrolled, enrolled in, enrolled in the community college. And those of you who've had to learn English, you know it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. You know, you know we come now where you know, English as a second language. Back in, back in, back in the, when I was a kid, and when my mom got here, brother, you didn't have the option to just keep speaking Spanish. It was not San Francisco, it was San Francisco. It was San Jose. And rather than looking at it as a woman who came with faith in her heart and two kids in her arms and endured scrutiny, laughs, embarrassment, and still plowed and, 
And look, I'm just telling you the truth. My mom's actually very educated. But when she came here to the United States, her degree meant nothing. Right. Nothing. So you know what she did? She worked in factories and she cleaned houses. And then at night she went to Kenyatta College. And when I was young, oh, I dreaded, I dreaded having to show up to school with my mom who didn't speak good Egyptian. Oh, God, help us. Oh, God, help us. God, help us to have, to get rid of the smoking mirrors. God, help us to not hide. Yeah, we all want to look good. We all want to be good. We all want to be going somewhere. But you don't have to, you don't have to, your memory's a weapon. Your memory, you're, 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 you can weaponize your memories. I'm telling you, there's something about remembering. You know what? We were poor growing up. You want to get on a, you don't even need Dave Ramsey. You just start remembering there's a day you didn't have nothing. You'll be real careful with how you deal with what you do have. You do good to remember. You know what? My dad did this to my mom. My mom did this to my dad. I will never do that. We, we can get rid of all the counseling. We can get rid of all the marriage retreats. We can get rid of all the seminars. If we'll all just exercise a little bit of humility. And be like, you know what? I saw my mom get hit. I'll never hit a woman. You know what? I got, I got spanked, but there was days I was getting hit. <laughs> and I'm going to be careful with my children. And I'm going to be careful with my husband. Because some of us got the other testimony. I see my dad get hit a lot. <laughs> Come on now. But man, if we would all just use a little bit of... And just remember... Just remember, oh my, 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 what marriages we would have, what children we would raise, what money we would save, what kind of giving we, what kind of, what kind of time management would we have? Hallelujah. Let's keep moving. Matthew chapter 26. Peter had to remember that Jesus told him how weak he really was. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, you will deny me. You will deny me three times. Peter said, no way. Jesus, you obviously forgot that I just cut a guy's ear off for you. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You're actually, you're actually really weak. You're so weak that even though three years have gone by, even though we've been together days on end, you're actually going to act like you never knew me. You, you've been with me so much that you've actually picked up my accent. Your speech will betray you. Peep, you were with me so much that people who don't even know you know you from hanging out with me. You know, it's hard when Jesus shows you I'm going to say something. I hope you receive this with a good spirit. There are some areas in your life where you will never be strong. There are areas in your life where you will never be strong. 
But don't confuse that with there are areas in my life where I always have to be defeated. But there are areas in your life that till the day you die, you will be weak in that area. And Jesus is telling Peter, you're weak, bro, in your commitment. You, you crumble under pressure. You're, you're, you're the type of guy that when the fire's on, you do what everyone else is doing. I'm telling you that. And then Jesus didn't even stop there. In the book of Luke 22, he tells him, I'll tell you something else about you, Peter. Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. So you got a problem. You got two problems, Peter. You crumble under pressure, and there's a devil that hates your guts. And so I'm telling everybody here, there are areas in your life where you will always be weak. You don't need to be defeated in those areas, but you do need to be desperate for God's help in those areas. And you need to stay by Jesus in those areas. And, and you know what? This You may not find this pretty, praise God. I'm, just, I'm not afraid to tell you, I pray every day, God help me to control my anger. God help me to control my thoughts. God help me to control my attitude. God help me to control my speech. Uh, there, there's not a, I, I, I don't know, maybe there's a day everyone graduates. I'm just, I, I just don't have that cap and gown praise God and there's just stuff there are days I'm praying about stuff I haven't done in years and I'm still repenting about it every single day there's stuff I'm asking God for help for that I haven't struggled with in years praise God but you know why I haven't struggled with it in years because God showed me one time you're weak in that area you crumble in that area you're not strong in that area and and, and you limp in that area and you're off kilter in that area and ever since he showed me and ever since I denied him and got sick of denying him I now stay by him praise God and I confess him and I talk about him and I pray to him and I ask him to never let me fall to those things again praise God oh hallelujah come on somebody oh hallelujah 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 yes oh let's pray right now hallelujah Jesus oh Jesus 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 Oh, hallelujah. Let's praise him right now. I feel something. I feel good. Let's pray to him right now. Hallelujah. God's talking to us. Praise God. There are people here. There are people here. I, I am telling you, I promise you, there are areas I'm weak in. I've seen the devil. It would be so easy for me to just say, oh, what a coincidence. But I have seen the devil mastermind situations and put this here and put that there and make this happen here and make that happen there and before I know it I'm the, the atmosphere has been set for failure and there are days I gotta I gotta literally get a hold of myself and say this is no coincidence at all and you know what I gotta do I have to remember all the times this has already happened before Different places, different spaces, different faces. But same thing. And I have to remind myself. Because you know what your brain will do? Your brain will say, this is your opportunity to prove how strong you are. No, 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 no. This is your opportunity to remind yourself how weak you are. How fragile you are. How human you are. How much in need of God you are. Oh, Jesus. And I finish with this. There are two men in the Bible. One righteous, one unrighteous. 
One is righteous and we know his name. The other one is so unrighteous we don't know his name. The first man's name is Joseph. The second man is a thief on a cross. But both the righteous and the unrighteous man have the same prayer. Remember me. When Joseph was in prison and he had interpreted the dream of the cupbearer and the baker, when the cupbearer got off the hook, he told the cupbearer, Remember me. And that priest on the cross, that, that thief on the cross, he looks to Jesus and he says, Remember me when you're in paradise. I'm telling you, memory has the power to save the righteous and the unrighteous. Memory has the power to open the prison doors and paradise's doors. Memory has the power to, rem to make the impossible possible. And it has the power to save us. Both the thief on the cross and Joseph were saved. Were saved because somebody remembered them. Somebody say praise God. We need to remember that we need people. We need people. We really do. We need people. Joseph remembered, I'm, I'm going to need this guy to help me. The thief on the cross remembered, I'm going to need Jesus to help me. We all need help. Way before my time. But Joe, Joe Crocker used to sing that song <laughs> with a little help of my friends. Praise God. I don't, I don't know, when I was in high school, I really got into 60s music. Don't ask why, I just did. Praise God. That's right. I just, I just had an old soul. Praise God. I just thought Joe Cocker was just so cool. And uh, is that his name? Am I getting it right? Joe, Joe Cocker, yeah. The little help of my friends. And I'm just telling you, it's okay to pick up the phone. I have my phone here. I usually don't have it. Pick up your phone. Call someone. Say, hey, man, I, I'm hurting. Can you pray for me? Man, I've just been going through some stuff. You, you don't, you, you, you don't got to give nobody the details. We don't want them anyways. You don't want to give them, we don't want to hear them. <laughs> but I'll tell you what we really don't want. We don't want you to walk away from God. And I'll tell you what else we really want. We want the prison doors to open, and we want paradise to open. And in between the prison and paradise is a phone call to a friend. So remember to reach out. And remember that there's some loads too heavy to bear on your own. Let's stand. And our prayer this morning is going to be simple. God, help me to exercise my memory. And help me to remember all the things you've shown me. And help me to apply the valuable lessons to my life today. I feel like there's some things that God has shown us over and over again that we have all been forgetting. And today God is calling us to bring those memories up to the surface. Hallelujah. And to recall what he has shown us. What he's shown us about ourselves. What he's shown us about others. 
what he's shown us about who we're not and who we are. Praise God. And I feel like today is a good day, hallelujah, to begin to jog the memory. And I feel like today is a good day, hallelujah, to realize that there's a treasure trove, hallelujah, of miracles in your memory, hallelujah. Let's lift our hands right now. Let's pray. Amen. Those watching at home, praise God. I want you to begin to pray, God, help me to remember. God, help me to remember everything you've shown me in the past. And help me, God, to apply it to my present. Oh, Jesus. I feel something special here this morning. Can we pray together? Oh, hallelujah. Maybe, we, maybe some of us need to weep together. Praise God. That's all right. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, God, 